Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Madeline Weiss. She's helping busy professionals thrive in work and life. She is a Harvard-trained licensed psychotherapist, board-certified executive career life coach, mindset expert with an MBA, and author of Getting to Great and Thrive Global Contributor. Welcome to the show. Hi there. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm very excited to have you on Can you share a little bit with us on your journey in creating your business and why work stress is an important topic to you? Yeah, I started out in a clinical chemistry laboratory and I worked in the USDA biological control lab and Drexel University's um, cardiac catheter lab. So it was a very different beginning There was always, um, because of an event in my history, a pull to the people. So little by little, I kind of one foot in front of the other without even realizing where I was going or what I was doing, inched my way toward working very directly, intimately with people instead of bugs and blood and machines and all that other stuff (laughs) that I started out that I started out working with and the uh, incident was that when I was 15 years old my father died of what the doctors called a cerebral hemorrhage but my mother said that he died of work so I kind of feel like my mission that bubbles up and I think uh, directs me and sustains me is that if I can help one little girl or boy's mommy or daddy or anybody at all, for that matter, I'm doing what I was put here to do is what that feels like. And that feeling is what I think all my clients want. That feeling that you're doing exactly what you were meant to be doing. And I I just read yesterday that work stress, job stress is the number one health problem. Mm -hmm. But what I wonder about is that the job per se, or that gnawing, nagging feeling that so many people have, that they're not doing the right thing or in the right place or in the right way that they just don't have that alignment that I can tell you for myself and for the clients that I'm privileged to work with really does feel good. So, yeah, that's powerful. I really agree with that. And I'm sure you have this experience as well, looking back at different jobs you've had where you worked a ton, but you weren't fulfilled and you were exhausted. And at the end of the day, it wasn't like, wow, I was able to impact the world today. Instead, it was stress and like, I'm ready to live my life on the weekend and actually do what I'm passionate about. Walking through your journey, what are you grateful for now? And I don't mean to sound too woo-woo here, and it is going to sound that, but I'm grateful for the human spirit. I'm grateful for 
how much we all have inside of us that we don't even know is there. I had a health event in 2004. Believe it or not, I got flesh eating disease. Like who gets that? I know. And had a 99.9% chance of dying, was in the hospital for seven weeks, went to the OR 10 times. I mean, it was a really, really big deal. I almost lost my whole upper right quadrant. And, And people would say to me afterwards, it made you so strong. And I said, well, you know, thank you, but that's not it. Yeah. What it was is that we all have what we need inside of us. We just don't know it sometimes until we need it. The incredible strength that I was able to employ to get me through that from there, almost dead to where I am now, flourishing, thriving, happy, I think lives in all of us. And that's what I mean by the human spirit. It's all there. We just, a lot of people don't know it. So my book, the Mm G-R-E-A-T, the G, it's an acronym, is for grounding in the belief that we all have everything we need. Because I know that. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that as well. What's been your intention in building your business? And what is your desired outcome? Everything is connected to everything else. So I think because of the MBA, a lot of people come and, you know, the board certified executive career life coach, a lot of people come to me about their work. But lo and behold, I then hear, and we maybe hadn't even talked about it, that all of a sudden they're sleeping and they didn't even know that they weren't. They didn't even realize that their marriage is better or that their children are thanking them for being around so much more. So to bring that kind of happier, healthier, productive life to each and every one of my clients, I always say a privilege and a pleasure Sometimes I have to, like, I get all filled up with tears because I can't believe the miracles, you know, so much is possible that people just don't know is possible. Is it possible to have a great career and a personal life at the same time? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that it's almost impossible to not have both at the same time. In other words, again, everything is connected to everything else. So if one part of your life is suffering, then you're not having a great life, even if another part looks like it's doing great. I don't think it's sustainable to have pockets of dis-ease in your life without it affecting everything in your life. Wow, that's a powerful statement. It's making me think. (laughs) it's making me think about the areas that of my life that aren't so unbalanced or a little bit unbalanced right now. I think people do sort of have an idea that they can get away with it. I don't think you can get away with it. Yeah, you're right. You don't get away with it because it compiles. Thank you for the reminder. I think I needed that today. (laughs) It kind of gnaws at you. It like sits over here, sort of like gnawing at you, even though you're trying to think it's like not an issue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. How does the mindset of scarcity harm us? 
did you ever hear the book, The Big Leap? No. So a lot of entrepreneurs read The Big Leap because The Big Leap talks about the upper limit problem. And if you have a scarcity mindset, if you can only think scarcity, and maybe we should unpack a little bit of what that is, yeah, it limits everything and also produces a lot of worry and worry is a little bit of worry is actually good because it helps us to take care of what we need to take care of. So we don't want to be 100% without worry, but too much of it actually keeps the cortisol level too high and harms the immune system and makes us sick. So that's kind of what's wrong with living in deprivation. I think Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, like 1989 or something like that, was the one who coined the term about the scarcity mindset. And what I think that means is people see life as like a pie. And so if I take a piece, there's that much less for you. Or if I ate the piece, there's that much less for me too. And an abundance mindset is more interested in growing. Do you think that also, even like this last year during the pandemic, and I'm mentioning this because I've heard a lot of people say this, that there's a mindset around money. And if people have money and if potential clients have money to spend, because I had so many people say, oh, well, you know, things are tight right now. People are not spending as much, but then, you know, I turn on the TV and there's the MTV awards and, you know, the millions of dollars that go into that. I'm like, well, some people have money and for entertainment purposes, do you think that that scarcity can also be related to believing whether or not you believe your potential customers or clients in your business as an entrepreneur I had such an interesting experience. I was on one of these networking calls with a bunch of little heads all over the place. And two of the heads, two guys who were in the same exact business. And it was during the height of the pandemic. And one of them was so down, nice guy, but just, you know, like really down. And he was saying, you know, people don't even want to talk to me because they don't have any money and they don't want to think about it. And, and he went on and on and on about, you know, how bereft he was feeling. And the other guy, same exact business said, I just had the best year of my life. Wow. Because he sees the moment to really reach out to people. He really got on the stick. And it was, you know, people in business say business is 80% mindset. And then I heard someone say, and if I'm telling the truth, it's really 100%. Marcus Aurelius, one of the Stoics from a gazillion years ago, said life is what our thoughts make it. And it's so true. I want to tell you, there's this wonderful numbers thing. 11 million bits per second of information go to the senses. So 11 million bits go to your senses every second. The brain can handle 50 of those 11 million bits. So we are not playing with a full deck. We are playing with 50 out of 11 
million bits. I mean, does that like take your breath away? So I always say, I don't know how anybody can think they know anything at all, because what humans do, we can't stand not knowing. So we fill in the gaps to make things coherent, to make things make sense. And then we think that's the fact. So our lives are what our thoughts make it. We live, I'm actually in the middle of writing a children's book with a children's book co-author. The idea is that we make these stories up and we live in them as if they're true. What's really cool about that is that we can tweak the script. So we don't have to live in a scarcity mindset. We can tweak that so that we live in an abundance mindset because we're making up the whole thing anyway. What are some indicators that we're dealing with a scarcity mindset? I think when we're envying others, I think when we feel that we can't because, 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 you know, just sort of living in, I can't have, it's potentially not true. And it also doesn't feel very good. Let me ask you this, because there's a lot of people that talk about your mindset and they do a lot of say affirmations. Do you think from your perspective, does that work? If so, in what way, or if someone is going to create their mindset, what's the best way to truly get the best ROI, if you will, or tap into what is working? Because I've seen people say that they tried affirmations and it didn't work. Okay. So I'm a big fan of action. Like if you want to prove to yourself that something wonderful is true, then you have to take steps toward it. I mean, there are wonderful neuro-linguistic programming exercises, and I actually do them with my clients where you vision and you let that sink into the brain, what this idealized vision looks like, what it sounds like, what it feels like. And the brain doesn't know the difference very well between what's true and what's not true. So sort of soaking it in this experience as if it's already happening, and that's an affirmation kind of thing, can do some good. But if we never take any steps to manifest it, nothing's going to happen, and then we don't believe in it. So we have to prove it to ourselves. So at the end of every session with all of my clients, we carve out an action step, at least one. And it comes from them based on what we've talked about, where they want to go and what's in the way. And I like to use what is called the Goldilocks principle. So the steps change management. This is change management theory. The steps are not so big that they're overwhelming and they shut us down. Because mm -hmm. if they're too big, we just won't do anything. Yeah. But not so small that the brain doesn't get stimulated, that the reward centers are not stimulated. So you want it to be big enough that the brain's going, whoa, something new is happening here. Let's do some more. So it has to be big enough to register it up there that 
something is happening, but not so big that, so that's why we call it. The example that you gave earlier at the one guy that was really defeated and the other guy that is really positive, the guy that was limited, do you think he was limited because he probably didn't take the action because he was in a negative mindset? Do you think that that's the root cause? Yeah, because he probably didn't believe that anything was going to come of it anyway. And he's, when you're in that state, you don't have a lot of energy anyway. So for a variety of reasons that kind of work together, no action was being taken. Like he didn't want to call another person. Of course, the guy who was being successful probably brought great energy to his calls. Yeah. And this guy maybe was getting rejected because he was kind of a downer. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know? yeah. So, yeah. In what ways can you begin to change your mindset to abundance? Okay. So I had written a blog post on this. And that was why I just pulled this out for us, because I don't think I can say it any better than I already wrote it. So I'm going to share that with you. All right. Okay, great. Okay. So three simple steps to turn scarcity around. And then I said, but of course, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. It may be natural. We didn't say this yet. So I want to preface it with this. There's something called the negativity bias. So the brain has a bias. It goes naturally to the negative. That helped us to survive and to thrive. So if an opportunity was coming down the pike when we were living on the savanna and the human brain was forming and you missed the opportunity, too bad. But if a saber-toothed tiger was coming down the pike when we were living on the savanna and we missed that, we were lunch. So the brain is biased, set up, hardwired to look out for danger. And that feeds right into the scarcity. If you're living in scarcity, you might be more looking for food than if you sat there with a full belly. So in some ways, the scarcity mindset is really there for a very good reason. But these are like dials. You can dial it up and you can dial it down. These human capacities are like that. So I said, it may be natural, but we can dial it down. So how can people who suffer and also inflict on others scarcity amid abundance mentality? So there are people who actually have a lot and live in a scarcity mindset. So I want to make that point too. How can we turn this around? Number one, focus on what you have, not just your money, your property, your career, your business, if you have some of that, not just the sun and the stars, the architecture, music, nature, freely available all around you, personal achievements, experiences, relationships, the list is endless you will see. Practice living in I have. Oh, wait, that makes you feel guilty, doesn't it? Because not everyone else has what you do. That's okay. That's number two. Manage your guilt. 
Remember that your unhappiness helps no one. In fact, it hurts people, including you, but definitely not just you. Your happiness is not your guilty pleasure. It makes you a better spouse, a better parent, employer, coworker, neighbor, citizen of the world, something you owe to everyone else. See if that helps. And number three, choose good company. We are the average of the people we hang out with. Mindsets are contagious. Surround yourself with people who live with an abundance mindset. Create the world you want to live in, a place where people live in a mindset of abundance, with abundant gratitude and generosity, a mindset of plenty for all. That's powerful. <laughs> I love it. I love especially the portion of guilt because it's very easy to think, oh, I am so blessed when you see somebody else that's worse off, right? Yep. But to your point, if you're miserable, you can't help anyone. I go over that a lot with my clients because it's not immediately apparent to people that we're all putting energy out there. And it's not good if we're all putting a sort of toxic, miserable energy out there. And relationships, actually, we're all transferring energy. That's kind of what it is. It's like an energy transfer all over the place. So I feel like if every single person took responsibility for putting the best out there that we could, the world would be a much better place. And that's why I say your happiness is not your guilty pleasure. The world needs it from you. Yeah, that's good. Can you share some of your client success stories? Oh, I have so many. Young man who thought his parents were inept. So he thought he could do a better job at everything than they could. We do tend to take these things into the workplace with us. So he was in a workplace where he thought he could do everything better than all the people who were above him. I pointed out to him one day, in order for him to keep that scenario running so that he could try to master it over and over again, that's why people repeat these things. They're not repeating these traumas, these family traumas to make themselves and everyone else miserable. They're trying to master it. So they keep repeating it, hoping they'll get it right someday. I said to him, the only way for you to keep that alive, to try to master it, is to be in a dysfunctional work place with people who seem inept to you is that your plan for the rest of your life wow yeah so it turns out this man built a business he went out on his own with two other partners the venture capitalists are throwing millions and millions and millions of dollars at them and oh by the way his uh, teenage daughter told him how grateful she is that he seems much more present than ever before. She really feels that he's there for her now. And the wife is noticing, and that's why I'm saying to you, it doesn't just 
happen in one place. It happens everywhere. He is also off his blood pressure medication. He doesn't need that anymore because he's meditating every day. And another favorite client example of mine is a young woman who thought she would never be able to live with anybody. She thought she was too independent and also was not happy with her work. And long story short, she is married. They're thinking of having, they're making a baby, possibly as we speak, who knows. And she left, she was in defense and she went into finance in a startup and is getting one promotion after another and is just a ball on fire. And what's interesting about her is that she didn't have any family trauma. She had kind of a charmed childhood and struggled with that because she felt like she didn't really deserve anything. And there was all this goodness waiting for her, all this excitement waiting for her. And she didn't feel like she had earned any of it because she never had it hard. And she actually is a perfect example of the kind of person who needed that reset that the world needs her to be happy and her keeping herself down was helping no one so she's flying and it's thrilling it's amazing it is (laughs) yeah I mean those shifts I mean yeah it's no small thing no I always like to say create the world you want to live in and I watch them one by one do that and it's just amazes me every time I never get used to the miracle of it. So you have a a book that is called Getting to Great Five-Step Strategy for Work and Life. How did you start writing the book and how has it helped you to get your message out? I feel like I have been writing that book my whole life. I do. When I was a little girl, I used to write books and on construction paper and put something on the cover. Not as good as that cover. I like that cover and sew it up the middle and stuff so yeah I've been doing that like forever I don't really know what tipped the scale to actually getting it finally published it just bubbles you know I say to people when you're quiet in here things just bubble up so that book was in there yeah and I suppose I got to a point in my life where it was the right time and there was space in here for that because it is a lot of work. Yeah, it is a lot of work. Yeah. A lot of people look at that and they think, how can they possibly accomplish writing a full book? You just do. Like I said, action, mm-hmm. you know, you just do it. And you blog a lot too. You write a lot. What would you say to somebody that that's listening that maybe they're starting to write for the first time? Maybe they're starting out on their blog. Should they even set a goal for themselves to become a published author? And if so, how would you do that? Let's say they're starting to write blog posts like you do, because you write quite a bit. What are some things that you do that help you to take that action? What's the mindset that you have? Okay, two things. I will take note of what I'm hearing is on people's minds. So like I listen to client after client after client after client during the course of the week. 
and I'm hearing sort of like taking the temperature. So that's where I get the ideas about what to write. If you do it regularly, and everybody says, if you're going to write a blog, you should do it regularly, like the same time every week, let's say. When you do that, it becomes a habit. And what's interesting about things becoming a habit, you then feel more uncomfortable if you don't do it than you do to do it. So I noticed that with my morning bike rides, that they're so regular now that if I didn't do it, it would be more emotional exertion on my part than just getting on the bike and doing it because it's become such a habit. It's the same thing for the blog post. If I tried not to do it one week for whatever reason I gave myself, I would feel more uncomfortable than just doing it. So I highly recommend begin, take action. And I've heard 21 days to make a habit. Then I heard it was 60 days to make a habit, but just do it and keep doing it. That's good. Yeah. What is your truth that has gotten you this far in your journey? I think it's that human spirit thing. The wonder of what's all in there that we don't even know is there that emerges almost has like a mind of its own. It knows when to do what. And all you need to do is be quiet enough so that you can hear it. And I'm not talking about the voice in the head. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's a great number for that one too. Is it 4,000 words a second or I don't know, something like that. I remember reading the number, whatever it was. And I thought, oh my God, if another human being tried to talk to me that much, I'd run out of the room screaming. And that's right. And that's how much we talk to ourselves. And so I'm not talking about that voice. I'm talking about this inner one that's really smart. You just have to be quiet. It knows exactly what to do. I absolutely love that. Especially as myself, I tend to go down the worry route. My default is I think that if I worry, even though I know logically this is not the truth, if I worry enough, I will come up with a new solution. But you just hit the nail on the head there because I know that I love that comment that if you get in your heart and you get connected, I get out of your head, then you're going to find the right solution. And it's so true. I have a question that you can use. This is my favorite question. It's, is there something to be done here? So when the worry comes and you are not your worry. So when the worry comes before you let it go or try to dismiss it or diss it, ask yourself, is there something to be done here? Sometimes the answer is yes, but not by me. So maybe you need to speak to someone. Yes, but I already did it. Or yes, by me, but not today. Or no, there's nothing to be done here. So when you answer that question, you know, what your course of action is. And sometimes the course of action is simply to breathe. I mean, sometimes car coming, get out of the way. Sometimes there is something to do, but often enough, there isn't. 
And I think it would really be useful for you to use that question, to ask yourself, is there something to be done here? Because if there is, do it. And if there isn't, just breathe. On my website, there's a complimentary exercises box. And in the pull down, it's, there's something called power breathing. And it's a one sheet on how to kick it upstairs to the higher brain in 30 seconds. It takes me to do three particular breaths. I say particular because it's not chest breathing. It's not filling the lungs. It's that diaphragmatic breathing. And once people start doing that, that becomes a habit also. And it's a much better way for us to be breathing if we want to use the higher brain. I love that. Yeah. If you're able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out in your journey, what would it be? That everything's going to be all right, that I have everything I need, that there are lots of people who want to help and to let them. If you mean by first starting out, like when I was in school, like way back, take that seriously. There are lots of goodies there. That's great. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing all of your wisdom. It's been wonderful (laughs) and very insightful. I do want to mention again, your book, Getting to Great, Five Step Strategy for Work and Life. I will put the link down below. By the way, there is a book-based online course that just launched. So that's at superpeer.com. Okay. I'll put that link down below as well. And your website, madelineweiss.com. Again, thank you so much. It has been an amazing time. And I just really love everything that you shared today. Guys, if you are listening and you want more information about A Call to Thrive, you can go to acalltothrive.com. Thank you, everyone, and have a wonderful day.